Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Thrill Me podcast. I'm your host, Adam. My co-host, Jared, is right beside me. Adam. How are you, mate? Oh, yeah. Thrilled to be here as always. Good. This episode, we will be covering the early 90s action gem, The Last Boy Scout. But before we get to that, let's roll into what we've been watching recently, because I believe there's a bit of a plethora of things that you've been watching. Yeah, I've been, been pretty busy on that front. You've um, got fuck all this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're wasting your time. I'm on holidays, so you know what? What do you want to do when you're on holidays other than sit on the couch and scratch yourself and turn the TV on? I don't even bother with scratching myself. <laughs> um, kick things off with uh, Maleficent. Maleficent, the yeah. uh, Disney flick. Yeah, yeah. Look, it wasn't wasn't bad. wasn't overly brilliant. Yeah. My biggest problem with this is I don't understand the need to. Um, it seems like ever since Wicked, we have to redo the old stories and make the the villain the hero. I don't understand that, but look, it was it was all right. Is it because they're running out of ideas and they're just recycling and yeah, someone else? At I mean, why, why not just make the live action Sleeping Beauty instead of twisting the whole story to make it? Yeah, you know, Sleeping Beauty's what fifty or fifty odd years ago, uh, now, and uh, strangely enough, they did that as well. <laughs> oh yeah, well, this year I believe. Yes, I watched. The original three Jurassic Park movies. Okay. And then went to the cinemas and watched Jurassic World. Okay. Yeah, I'd actually forgotten how good the first one is. Oh, the first one's great. I I had in my mind for some reason that I was at the age when the first one came out that it was like, ooh, dinosaurs, you know, great. So I thought going back that it might actually just be one of those ones that you got rose-coloured glasses for and that we thought it was great. Back then, because it was just crazy to see these dinosaurs on screen. Yeah. The first one's actually a fantastic movie. Fantastic movie. Lost World, I actually didn't mind. I think that's that's a decent sequel. Third one's a bit of a dud. And the fourth one, although it's there's moments of just incredible stupidity in there, and it's extremely predictable, um, I enjoyed it. It was a very sort of... Uh, it was just to, you know, check your brain at the door and, and have fun. So as I said, there was some really really stupid parts of it, and you could see it coming a mile off. I said very early on, I said to one of my mates, "This is what's going to happen at the end," and yeah. it happened in ex- exactly that fashion. You know, you had little moments throughout the film that I just said, oh, "Okay, we'll add that to the finale," and basically I picked the finale like a broken exactly nose. how it happened. But other than that, I actually really enjoyed it. We, we both sat there and kind of laughed at some of the stupid moments and then we both left the cinema and went, yeah, that was all right. I watched Ant-Man, which was fun, but it's nothing nothing new from Marvel. If you've seen a Marvel, Marvel movie, you've seen Ant-Man, basically. Uh, but it was it was good fun. I saw Your Next. Oh, yeah? Uh, and had you already seen that? No, this was the first time I'd seen that. Yeah, um, I didn't mind that. Yeah, it was all right. The only problem is are those couple of little moments where we went from she does all the right things. She, for the most part, in the early stages, she's doing all the right things to survive. And then she drops the ball a couple of times where you kind of think, oh, well, you know, back to the, strange, the same old fucking idiotic character efforts. Yeah. That, that was kind of what took me out of it. For the most part, I kind of liked it, but I didn't, also didn't like the twist either. No, look, oh, once there was a portion of the twist, you saw the the ending coming. Hmm. 
I liked the fact that she was a real ass kicker. Hmm. The fact that, that you were supposed to be, oh no, everyone's in danger. And the family just crumbled. <laughs> the family just absolutely crumbled. And she was the ass kicker. I really liked that. And then she fucking towels that bloke's head up with the hammer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, was, there was portions of it that, that, that I thought were really good. And it was a really creepy kind of slasher. It was kind of derivative in a lot of ways. Like, we've, it's nothing that we haven't seen before. No. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it's worthwhile. Definitely worth a look. As far as semi-slasher flicks go around this period, it's definitely one of the better. Yeah, it's up there. It's good. It's definitely worth it's a look. It's kind of slasher mixed with survival horror. I think we've had a, a tendency recently in horror to, to elevate something that's all right to this is a gem, just because we're not getting a lot of gems. Yeah. So I think this was one of those ones that I read some reviews that just out and out said it was fantastic. Mm. And I didn't quite think that. No. And I think, as I said, I think that's a tendency to elevate something to a higher standing because we haven't seen a lot of gems. You know what it reminded me a little bit of in the early setup and stuff? Was that there was another slasher, I don't know if you saw it, but it came out and it came out with a little bit of wave of fanfare and it was called All the Boys Love Mandy Lane. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. And that set up... Of both films were slightly similar, except for obviously in your next, this chick turns out to be an ass kicker. But it was another one of these movies, you know, pointing, going back to what you were saying about elevating material. Yeah. This was elevated as being great. And quite frankly, I thought it was pretty average that all the boys love Mandy Lane. Yeah, so, that was another one. I'd probably rank it alongside this one. I thought that Mandy Lane was as good as this one. Yeah. Um, I thought your next was a better film. Maybe it's just yeah. there was a bit more, there was a bit more happening in your next. And there wasn't, you know, there was some stretches in Mandy Lane where there wasn't much going on. Yeah, yeah, I thought, as I said, I reckon they're, they're probably neck and neck. There's not, mm. there's not that much difference. I, I came out of both of them finishing and thinking, yeah, that's all right. That's that's about, you know, as good as we get late, lately. So, I think there's something else in there, but I've forgotten it. So, right. that's me. Oh, I'm still watching plenty of Ninja Turtles too. Ninja Turtles, okay. Yeah. All right. Still watching, still getting plenty of horror references in there. Excellent, excellent. I went for Maggie. The Schwarzenegger zombie flick, which was all right. Yeah. Which was actually pretty good. Look, it's a real slow burn. Don't don't pick it up under the proviso there's going to be a lot of zombies getting killed and Schwarzenegger sort of running around. It's not really about him. Mm. That's the thing. It's all about the girl, the daughter, and it's kind of interesting. I make this interesting sort of um, connection between what happens in this movie is a little bit like when you put a, do- a dog that's sick to sleep. Mm. When we put our last dog to sleep, there was a real feeling of, are we going too early? Yeah. Or are we going too late? It, it, will we leave it and he'll be he'll be in pain? And this is kind of the idea of this this movie. Yeah. Is how long do you hold out when your daughter's dying, uh, and you've been told you have to you have to after six weeks you have to put her in quarantine? How long are you prepared to are you prepared to ignore that? And Schwarzenegger's really good, like really good. There are little touches of the old <laughs> hammy Schwarzenegger here and there, but for the most part, it's a really good performance. Mm, it's good to hear. Um, and Abigail Breslin, the young girl in it, she's really good. Yeah, she's always been good. I've yeah, so it's a, solid, it's a solid flick. If, you, if you're looking for something a little bit different, it's got, it's got a sort of a Walking Dead vibe to it as well that I think people might like. Uh, but don't expect explosions and action-packed stuff. I watched Halloween H2O on Blu-ray. Digging deep. Yeah, yeah, look, I still like that movie. I always have. Yeah, I reckon I, I, I think it's the best way to have got back on track because, quite frankly, 
they had to jettison all that shit that came before. Yeah, I reckon that's some of the. Personally, it's it's one of the best sequels. Yeah, and the way they did it was really really clever. I thought the way they sort of you know she, they basically just decided that Michael he may have been off for twenty years doing all this other stuff, but we're not going to worry about it. We're worrying about it's actually about um, Laurie Strode. Yeah. So I thought I, I, I enjoyed that. Did you uh, did you notice the CGI mask very? Yes, much? I did. Really? There's, there's one specific scene where the kid gets the um, corkscrew out. Yeah. He turns around. You can it it is full CGI. It's fucking awful. Yeah. It's grey. I never really um I never picked it up when we were watching it. Well, obviously, but it, I, yeah, it's it's taken a bit of a kicking on, on yeah. the internet. In the um making of. There's actually that th- they use three or four different special effects men mm. with four different masks. They use four different masks basically. They use one, the mask from Six. You can only see for a split second. The majority of it is a mask f- by, made by K and B effects, but they weren't happy with that, so they went back and they asked Stan Winston to do a mask, and he did, and that's seen fleetingly, and then obviously they use the CGI. Mm. So. Look, it's a fucking rubber mask. How do you <laughs> fuck that up? Like, honestly, you need... Well, I don't know. Ask part five. You're, spe- <laughs> you're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on hiring effects men to make a fucking rubber mask. Yeah. And just quietly, I've seen some people on the internet that do, like, special effects courses and whip up pretty stunning representations of it. Yeah. So. It, Somebody could get it right. Yeah, they? I think it was just another one of these, you know, we're not happy with this, we're not happy with that. Type of thing. Now, I caught the first episode of the Scream television series. Mm. Uh, it would seem that MTV have popped it on um, YouTube. Mm-hmm. Look, I'm not, I'm not jettisoning it, jettisoning it, jettisoning it as a series. I think there's room to improve and explore, but there was just some real clunky shit in it. I was not real impressed with the backstory of the the killer from 20 years ago or whatever. I kind of found that a little bit. Clunky. Uh, typical of these shows today, a lot of asshole characters. Mm. Got to have, got to have one or two. Don't but you? <laughs> I think they do a reasonable job with a couple of the characters, and I think they set a, a, sol- a decent enough scene that I'll be back for the second episode. Uh, and the opening of it, which is supposed to be sort of reminiscent of the original movie, is quite good. And they use like you know social media and text message and stuff. Instead of telephone calls. Mm. Um, and I think that actually works not too badly. Yep. I saw Lights Out yeah, on YouTube. Yeah. Put, Shit my pants. <laughs> like, my wife and my daughter weren't in the least bit scared of the end bit. Really? But I pooped. Yeah, so did I. <laughs> they, they thought the creepy bit was the light being turned on and off. And, yeah, yeah. You know, that was creepy. But when she turns to the thing and bang, it's a stinger moment. That was worse for me. Oh, I just... Not to mention, I saw it. Um, I saw a still frame of it, and I had to. I had to quickly close the window. Is it, is it, is it, is it a bit like watching Rage late at night and coughing window liquor? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nightmares. It comes. It comes with a warning at the front of the film clip. Yeah, a little bit like that. Um, yeah, I saw that. I also caught another short. I can't remember what it was called, but it was sort of like a, someone breaking into this girl's apartment. Um, you know, wearing quite a creepy mask. It kind of started well and then just went downhill. Also, and we talked about many podcasts back, I talked about Man of Steel and, yes. and hating it. Yep. 
I actually listened to a podcast from some uh, guys in Melbourne, uh, the Soylent Green Screen podcast. Yeah, I believe yeah, yeah. we um, they liked us not long ago on Facebook. Yes, I had listened to their yeah. stuff. And they actually, I, I grabbed one from. I went, I went sort of scrolling through because I've um, sort of grabbed their earlier, their more recent stuff over the past few weeks. But I went scrolling a little bit further down, and they had one that was Superman Returns and Man of Steel, mm-hmm. and they kind of discussed both films, what they what they thought worked and didn't. But they went pretty deep on it, a lot deeper than we would have, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. But it kind of gave me a better appreciation of both movies, even though they were they weren't scathing. Neither they 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 pretty much liked probably neither of them. Mm-hmm. But they went a lot deeper into some of the you know stuff about the Christ allegory and the yeah. um, um, in Superman Returns the you know Lois is married and has a child and the child looks doesn't look up to the the husband looks up to Superman yeah. even though you know we know it's Superman's um, son. Spoiler alert to everyone who hasn't seen that shit, but. I, I really enjoyed it. It went for about an hour and ten, hour and twenty. Yep. And it was it was really deep. It was a really good discussion. Yeah, sounds like one. I'll definitely. Have yeah, to, yeah. Just have check to into it. It was, it was quite good. I also listened to yeah one about Police Academy too. Oh, which I thought it was uh, quite amusing. Classic. Yeah, Police <laughs> Academy is no classic. I can tell you now. Uh, and that's pretty much everything I I did. So we've actually actually had something to talk. We've about actually had something to talk. Fuck, this is thirteen minutes in. What are we doing? Sorry, Usually it's yeah. five and yeah, taking a break. We're spent materials, all the good materials gone. Yeah. All right, we'll take our first break and we'll come back to discuss The Last Boy Scout. He's a private detective who's run out of luck. He's an ex-quarterback who was thrown from the gate. They were trying to clean up their act when they got dragged into the dirty world of gridiron corruption. Kick off this Christmas with the only full-blown action movie of the season. What am I going to do? Point at the bad guys and shoot! Bruce Willis, Damon Williams, The Last Boy Scout, rated R. Special sneak preview this Saturday night. Check newspapers for theaters. The Last Boy Scout from 1990, directed by Tony Scott, who also directed Top Gun, Man on Fire, and Unstoppable. Unfortunately, he's dead. Mm-hmm. Died just recently, yep. which is quite sad. Produced by Joel Silver of the Die Hard, Lethal Weapon, and Sherlock Holmes series. And written by Shane Black, who wrote Lethal Weapon, The Long Kiss Good Night, and Iron Man 3. I believe he's one of mm. our patron saints. Well, I was going to say, he's got to, he's got to go into the... He's in the Thrill Me Hall of Fame along with Tom Atkins. Tom Atkins, <laughs> So Tom he's Atkins in heavy company. Tom Atkins and Shane Black. <laughs> he's in heavy company. Uh, the cast is Bruce Willis as Joe Hallenbeck, obviously from Die Hard, The Sixth Sense, and Sin City, and Damon Wayans as Jimmy Dix. From Mo Money, Blank Man, <laughs> on TV, My Wife and Kids. Oh. I apologise for laughing <laughs> that. resume kind of stinks a little. Is it his peak? It's got to be his peak. I think it's, it's his peak. peak, yeah. The budget for this film was $29 million and the box office was $59 million, which I believe was seen as a bit of a bit low. Mm. You know, there was a lot of heat on this movie. They paid Shane Black $1.75 million for the script. Yep which at the time was the highest paid for any movie script, and there was a lot of fanfare and it didn't quite reach the heights. Mm-hmm. Quick plot synopsis on The Last Boy Scout. Down and out low-life private detective Joe Hallenbeck is tasked with looking after uh, Jimmy Dix's girlfriend, uh, who is then killed 
and puts the pair of them together to try and work out who killed her and why. And, of course, it, it, it relates to uh, NFL football and gambling. Uh, that G- and Jimmy was an ex-NFL player. General thoughts on this movie from my perspective, I really enjoy this movie. Mm. It's a movie that it's, not, it's never going to be like, you know, five out of five, but it's a one that I can throw on at any time. It, yeah, there's wit and energy to it. There's, there's some good one-liners. There's the, the right amount of action. It's one that I've always enjoyed. And it's a three and a half out of five for me. Yeah, I'd actually, um, I'm going to give it a four. Oh. This is firmly in that category of movies. Look at you I'm, rounding up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is firmly in that in that that um, category of movies that I've spoken about that I have a real fondness from from my late childhood days. It's it's uh, I've spoken before about movies like Predator and The Running Man that that used to come on TV every couple of months here. And every time they came on, I'd, I'd tune in, and this this was another one of them. There was a yeah. handful, and and this one's in there. Yeah. Again, it had been a few years since I watched it, so when we dug up the DVD and and dusted it off, I'm surprised we weren't digging up video. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I probably got it somewhere on video. Yeah, I was uh, I was uh, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't mm. know how it was going to hold up, and it's it's just great. Yeah. It's still it's still a really good movie, really yeah. good movie to watch. Um, Shane Black, I just. I, I would almost go as far to say this is my favourite writer. Yeah. He just knows how to keep a movie just just chugging along um, he, he, and, he, and make it really engaging and entertaining. You know, not to sort of perhaps blow too much smoke up the guy's ass because, you know, I, I, I would put him right up there as well. But I put him up there with your Tarantinos. You know, the type of guy that the the, the dialogue's just is, is, is important. It's, yeah. it's not they're not just wasting dialogue to go, oh, we need to get this next bit, so let's just jibber a bit of bullshit and get there. Yeah. And, and the all- same with Tarantino, the dialogue's important. And yeah. it's gotta be it's gotta crackle and it's gotta feel real. And like although you've seen this before from, from Shane Black, like it's got a lot of it's got some parallels to Lethal Weapon with yeah. the you know, the two guys coming together and, and getting to know each other and stuff like that. It's got a similar element of those wisecracks and stuff really, really give you the character, hmm. um, and and even uh, this one probably not as much as Lethal Weapon, but it, it makes the movie constantly entertaining. Yeah. It's just a master of, of making the the dialogue and uh, just making the movie so watchable and entertaining. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I reckon Shane Black is just one of one of my favourites. Absolutely. So, and yeah. it's it's kind of sad that he went off the radar for a while. Yeah, because and I, like I am, I cannot wait to have him back in the fold for Predator. Yeah, yeah, it's just going to be great to ha- to have him back and 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 hopefully continue to get into big big movies again. Yeah, that's right. Likes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to jump straight into the likes with exactly what you just said. The way he sets up his characters, and I, I actually read the the the, the script as well. Um, we'll get into that a little bit later because there are some differences. But the way both characters are set up, we meet Jimmy Dix at a at a, a football party and we just get the feeling, you know, we see that he's a bit down and out and all that sort of stuff. But it's maybe, what, three minutes, that scene? Yeah. Probably. Yep. We get enough to know who he is. Yeah. You get a sense of where he's at. You get a sense of a little bit of anger, yep. a little bit of this and that. that and just... then he, then he, that you see that he's not a, he's not as big a prick with women. You know the way he takes the football to yeah. that bloke's head. He's, he's basically you see that obviously he's been with a woman at at the party, mm. but 
just from what you get in that scene, it's 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 giving him what he needs from it. Hmm. And then when you go outside and see the other guy just treating the girl like shit, that's not what he's there for. Yeah. It's sort of it's fulfilling something that he needs at that point, and then you've got the drugs as well. Yeah. But then he, he saves that girl and says, you know, get out of here. And yeah. So you kind of see he's down and out, but he's not he's not a flat-out asshole. And also yeah. we get that short little line of dialogue where he says, what the fuck are you doing? This is a league party. You got kicked out of the league. Mm. We get the full details in, what, one line yep. that tells us he used to play football. And there's L.A. Stallion signs on the yeah. ball. And so again, we know classic, that a, classic Shane Black. Yeah. The fact that he picks up the ball, fires it at the guy's face, mm. hits him on the nose, you instantly get this shit. He's obviously pretty good, and then he tells the guy, "Best arm in the league," and don't forget it. Yeah, like it's just, it's just, it's that is just classic Shane Black. Yeah, you know? and it's real quick to the point, but masterfully given to. Yeah, it's not just some scene that they think, "Oh, this looks cool." You actually get something, some, yeah. something out of it. And it's the same with when you meet Helen Beck. Mm-hmm. You know, he's lying in his car, he's asleep, kids are fucking around with him. Yeah. He's an absolute piece of shit. Yep. It, within two minutes of meeting him, you realise the guy's a scumbag, but he's kind of a likeable scumbag. Yeah. There's a there's a likability to him. Yeah, and that, no, it, the way we put it is this is the difference between what you get, what, what we've been annoyed with in current action movies like, uh, not to pick on The Rock because I love the bloke, yeah. but... Every story, he's he's a hero, or a, you know, yeah. the the San Andreas. So you've had six hundred saves. Yeah. Why can't he be waking up with a, with an empty bottle in his yeah, yeah, lap yeah. or something? Why can't that's that's the kind of thing I want to see. I'd love to see Shane, this Shane Black ride a rock movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you're right. There's no way Joe Hallenbeck's got six hundred of anything. He's got six hundred empty empty titties. Yeah, empty titties nearby. <laughs> he's just a scumbag, and that the movie never sort of tries to make him. More than that. Yeah. Until perhaps right at the end. Yep. There's that slight sort of redemption. He's shaved and he's, he's clean shaven and his hair's cut and everything like that. Yeah. And he looks, he's presentably dressed. But even but for that, the majority of the movie, he looks like a piece of shit. Even that's more character development than we'll get in, in a lot of action movies. Yeah. Some there's, there's this perception that all you need to do is put somebody in a situation where they've got to save someone and blow, blow things up. Whereas these movies, you do get... You get something else. You get that these guys are flawed and you get that there is a, a development to the character. Even if it yeah. is pretty straightforward, it's it's a process to get there and it's interesting. The, and again, and you know, di- slightly digressing a little bit, we've probably you know, we're probably rolling this out a little bit further. We've got a lot more to talk about, but this is a this is the kind of role that you need a Willis. Yeah. Because this is went against what you were normally getting. Yep. Schwarzenegger and Stallone were king, the kings of the action genre at the time, but they were the guys, they couldn't be down on their luck. Yeah. They weren't into that. And and the other thing is Willis, um, in this movie, you know, you can buy that he's he's a he's a drunk, you know. He looks he even actually looks a little bit paunchy almost. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, he's got the got that receding hairline and stuff like that. He doesn't look like the perfect sort of action hero. Yeah. And that's that's that was Willis's Stick. Yeah. That's what he brought. And I can see why he fit this movie better than a lot of other action heroes. The movie kicks off at a real immediate, gets you right in. Yeah. From the from the Friday night's a great night for football. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're immediately yeah, yeah. into the 89, 90 pop sort of rock shit. That's, yeah. 
And for anyone in Australia that uh, had any interest in football, that song has has it's double good value these days <laughs> because uh, our local rugby league competition took that and used it as the theme song one year. <laughs> so every Friday we had we had one of Australia's sort of you know old rockers belting out Friday nights a great night for football. <laughs> It was in the like, late 90s or early 2000s. <laughs> the movie no, it was, forever, I it was, it was late 90s. Yeah. yeah. But it immediately gets you into the, the movie and then you've got Billy Cole getting the phone call, getting told, you know, you need to sort this out. Yeah. And then he takes, he, he takes drastic action. Yep. Because obviously he's shit scared of the consequences if he doesn't get what's done. Mm. And so you're immediately thinking, Jesus, you know, what's going on here? Yeah, it, it's uh, it's kind of it's just an explosive start to the movie. You've mm. got the you've got the football sort of you know you got the anthem belting out. You got the cheerleaders going. Then you've got this thing going on on the football field that you're not really sure about. <laughs> I love the anthem, the the, the craggly face, <laughs> yeah. the anthem with the sunglasses on. <laughs> he actually looked a bit like Seagal. <laughs> um, I thought we would put him current Seagal. I, I thought we'd put the wrong DVD in for a minute. But we no, put yeah, him true you, justice, Vengeance. Yeah. Like once you um yeah, once you get onto the football field and you get that Billy Cole stuff, it sort of brings it down a bit. Yeah, yeah. you're watching the scene and they actually kind of bring it back and and you've just got the bright lights and everything, but they sort of it's you don't spread the outside do you, the field. You don't do you? see yeah, you don't see the crowd around it as much. You kind of see Cole in his in his own sort of little situation, and then that when he when he pulls the gun out and shoots the the defenders and then kills himself you just immediately are holy shit what happened yeah. you, you're immediately engaged in finding out what just happened yeah that's right and i think that's a i think they do a very similar thing and again this might also be a Shane black uh, part of his writing again similar thing in lethal weapon we open on the girl in the in the um, hotel room snorting cocaine she steps out onto the balcony and falls off the, falls out of the building. Yeah, and so you're immediately going, "Well, what the hell's going on here? What's what's this?" Yeah, you know, and then we get into the story. Yeah, it's very similar because it is removed from the actual the, the the main characters of the movie. Yeah, it's tied into them, but it's completely separate. Yeah, and it's just this sort of explosive moment that that you just immediately you hit the ground running. You know. Yeah, that's right. I I think it feels like a fifties sort of noir detective story. Transplanted into the the nineteen nineties. Yeah, early on there are portions of that, um, especially with with Willis's mate that sort of gives him the tip off, and then yeah. turns out you know he's and also just just story, just so. the general Willis's car. Yeah, it's yeah, quite old. When he turns up to his apart his um, office, it's the classic big glass window bit in the middle with Helen Beck investigations yeah. written on it, like you would see in all these old detective stories. Yep, one of the cars that the um, Assassins are driving when they kill Corey is a straight out of the 50s or 60s. Yep. And I think that that's part and parcel of it. It was kind of like taking that approach. We wanted to take a hard-boiled detective story. But yeah. It's, but set Look, it's in today's pretty, time. It's pretty limited. There, there, I think there is um, elements of that, but as soon as you start, you know, the gunfire and the, all, all that sort of thing. All the football it, messages. Yeah, and all it that. takes it out of that. But I think you're probably right. Initially, I Little think Little nods to it. Yeah, I think, is what yeah, I think doing. that's definitely there. The character, getting back to what you said before, both of these guys are seriously flawed characters, yet there's a likability, yet somehow you're rooting for them, even yeah. though, I mean, Willis treats his missus like shit and treats yeah. his daughter like <laughs> shit. 
treats Jimmy Dicks like shit. Like whenever they, whenever he talks to anyone, he's treating them like shit. Yeah, you know? but there's a, you know, there's a progression there. You know, there's there's something that needs to to change. There's something that that these characters want to change, and and I mean that's what that's what the story's about in a way. Um, that's that's what you get as as the sort of the motivation to them and, and things like this. Mm. So I think it's it's great that they're actually flawed like that, and it brings a bit of tension between them as well. Yeah. Uh, which, which you know, as they say, how do you cause drama if everything's perfect for these, yeah, yeah. these people? So the fact that they've got these flaws and the way they, you know, what they've got to work out is kind of intertwined with each other and yeah. and, and the end result. And he but, doesn't want to be... Helen Beck wants nothing to do with anything. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the moment she's been killed and all that, he just sort of says, look, I'm going home, man. I want nothing more to do with it. Yep. But then Dick's kind of gets him in there. Yeah, they just kind of keep each other in, involved. Yeah, and once and they're Dick's, deeper you know, involved, they they're going to finish it. all. they want to find out. And how that's it the ends. thing. He needs he needs dicks to work out what happened to Corey. If he doesn't have that, he knows he's just going to sink into his, into yeah, his sort of you know what he's already in. So it's all it's all tied together, and it's all yeah. And 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 I think that those characters, it's one of those rare films, rare action films where. Th- you could potentially dislike these guys if, if you know, you took it the wrong way. But I think that the movie does enough to take very, very flawed sort of low-life characters and make them, by the end, you're kind of yeah. going awesome. Well, you never dislike them. There's never a point in the movie that you dislike them because, the, you know, the dialogue's too yeah. good. Will, <laughs> yeah, Willis true. is, you know, pulling out too many amusing lines yeah, that, and true. stuff like that. So I, I get what you're saying. I could I see it in... in you could understand why people might dislike this movie, though. Well, but it's a craft. It's a, it's a craft because you never want them to dislike them. You never want to dislike them, even mm. though they are they are flawed a holes. You can't dislike them because they are essential to the movie. You're spending mm. the entire movie with them, so you have to be invested in what's happening to them. Or so you don't want to dislike them. You can't. Or yeah. the movie's a failure, basically. So that's that's the and that's I think the that that's, that's where we come back to the. The scripting. That's the craft. That's that's what Shane Shane Black is good at. He gives you these two guys who normally you might look at and go, oh, he's a filthy drunk. <laughs> but you love the guy and you want him to get out of that. Yes. That's why the movie's so – that's why the, the characters work. Agreed. Uh, really good chemistry between the two leads. Yeah. I think it's – I'm not going to say it's on par with uh, Mel Gibson and Danny Glover, but it's very close. Yeah, it's not quite there. No, it's not quite there, but remember – Mel and Danny had four movies to get even more comfortable yeah, with exactly. each other, and by say Lethal Weapon three, yeah. they were just bouncing shit off each other left and right. I, I actually think it's, it's a bit of a shame that um, Damon Wayans just happened to just get in so much crap. I don't know it, <laughs> well, I don't know whether it was that they had to. to he I, I'm surprised he hasn't popped up in Scary Movie six because oh. he's yeah his family yeah look Marlon and. What's the other guy's name? There's about three of them. Sean, Sean Wayne's and there's Ken and Ivory. They're all they were all got they all got involved in the spoof yeah. stuff and it's been reasonably successful. Well for, uh, commercially successful. Commercially successful. <laughs> no, not it hasn't been considered, you know, pulp fiction or anything no. of these movies, but still But it, I think They've had far more successful careers than Damon had. Yeah, going back and seeing this, I kinda wish he'd stuck in action movies a little bit because it it's the perfect vehicle for him. He could get away with a bit of that 
action man stuff in this this era, but his comedy, yeah. Has, hasn't he it. got a son that's in that new girl? Yeah, and he reminds me something like they look a bit. They look very similar. They sound the same. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's kind of like it was almost like a bit of a throwback seeing him on there. But yeah, it is kind of sad because he kind of disappeared. He just he never really fulfilled or he never went on in any of this type of stuff. No, no. Which was disappointing, but I do like the the chemistry between the two of them. They yeah. bounce well off each other. Again, the dialogue's endlessly quotable, so it's kind of there's a lot of zingers and there's a lot of chances to sort of get a giggle out of both of them. Yeah, and again, it's uh, it comes back to Shane Black. Possibly, I don't know how much how much leeway they gave Damon Wayans, but he might have dropped a few, you know, ad libbed a few lines here and there. He might have his yeah. sort of you know co- uh, comedy background, but. It's what we talk about how none of the scenes are, are boring because the dialogue is just zingers all the way. There's things that are making you laugh. As yeah. It's just like nonstop. And most characters are very – look, different to what we, we found with Madison County, which is what we covered last episode. Madison County was about nothing. Scenes were about nothing. Yeah. Nobody was doing anything important. Dialogue didn't lead back into anything. Yeah. This is a movie that's on the total end of the other end of the spectrum where everything's going towards something and some of the dialogue's always pointing in the direction of or giving you a little bit of something that's going to come into play later. And I think that's the great thing about this movie and what makes it so enjoyable. Of course, there's also a um, another like uh, a cameo from Eddie Griffin. Oh, of course. <laughs> Eddie this is how he used to do it back in the bureau. <laughs> uh, Eddie was the MC in the strip club. Yes. Yeah. Obviously, that was probably his most successful film. <laughs> I don't know why. I think you used to be a fell off a chair. When I didn't I think going, it was him. I was just going, that's Eddie Griffin. And you were kind of giggling, like, why are you excited that it's Eddie Griffin? And I, I couldn't explain. I was most like, people oh, are probably going, who the fuck's Eddie Griffin? <laughs> Fair question. Looking Fair up question. on that movie database. The last like for me, I've always loved that scene where he puts the guy's nose up into his head. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How um, he kind of, the bloke's mouthing up and being all tough and... Yeah. And he kind of takes one in the face and then goes, I seem to have dropped my cigarette. Can I please have another? Yeah, yeah. That you was, know? um, uh, it's another one of those moments like, um, like Busey burning his arm. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. Just shows like how tough effort, he is. You know, that, that sort of tough guy, but just so cool. <laughs> like, or, like, we used to, um, at school, we used to talk about that scene over and over. Oh, yeah. you know, how about that? You know, I seem to have dropped my cigarette. <laughs> Can I have another? Yeah, it's just a great, great little sort of, uh, great little action moment. And that whole thing about, uh, you touch me again, I'll kill you. Yeah. And then he does it. So he like, tries to kinda, do it a second time. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of... Uh, it's just one of those classic tough movie tough guy moments, and I love the bit how he's he's such a he's such a scumbag. <laughs> he's, he's put the guy's nose to his brain, and then in comes Milo, the main villain. Yeah, and he goes, uh, and let me guess, you're the you're the bad guy. And he goes, I am the bad guy, Joseph. And he goes, Yeah, look, I, was sh- I should be shaking in my boots, but <laughs> I've got other things to worry about, or some shit like that. I'll get around to it. Yeah. And then he comes up, he hits him over the back with the, it's like a, one of those fucking 
don't know. Yeah, I know what you mean. I can't. I don't know. I don't what know it's exactly called, what it's either. called, but it's like a bit of fucking like a rubber baton or something. And he's like, "You touch me again, I'll kill you." <laughs> and then whack, he gives you another one. He's like, "Ah, oh. <laughs> yeah." Like, I I just like the fact that. Yeah, he's a tough guy. Yes, he's cool. But he's also still just a fucking scumbag who wants yeah, a cigarette the whole time. A, yeah, and a drink. Does he get yeah, a drink as well? Yeah, he a fucking drink. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, th- I think that those parts of the film, again, that's that's the likeable part. That's again, that's quintessential getting, action movie. Yeah, and you're still, you're still you're loving the bloke yeah. in those scenes. Dislikes. Yeah, not many. Not but many, there's but there's a couple of gems. Dalen Wayne's wardrobe. Yeah. Who's responsible? I don't know. I need <laughs> to look back at the credits to find out who was in wardrobe. But he's wearing tassel jackets, mm. leather dacks, um, hats. He's really got a problem with hats. I don't know what that black number was. It looks kind of like <laughs> the a... thing hanging down? Yeah. It looks like Gaddafi. <laughs> I was going to say, it looks... It's not a fez, but it's kind of... <laughs> Fez inspired. <laughs> I don't know what it is. But the, the, the wardrobe, it's kind of like you take a healthy dose of Seagal <laughs> and then you add a dash of new kids on the block. And that's, and that's what he's yeah, wearing for the entire movie. You sprinkle in some new kids on the block <laughs> and what do you get? You get that shit. <laughs> what I love too is when he comes over to talk to Willis the first time that he ever meets him in the strip joint to sort of show him he's a tough guy too. He's fucking dressed. <laughs> Tight leather strides, some sort of Hawaiian-esque shirt, and this stupid hat. And he starts sort of giving him giving him lip. <laughs> oh, surprise. Uh, Hallenbeck's first response was, get the fuck out of here. Come on. Uh, yeah, the wardrobe. And then later, my personal favourite is we find him his, he's, he's parking his car or something. Some thugs come over, and, and he's wearing a fully tasseled jacket <laughs> and some sort of pork pie. It's <laughs> like peak or something. It's a fucking peak hat. Oh. And again, he's he's mouthing off about how tough he is. What was going on in the nineties with clothes? Look, I think there was too much of a dash of new kids <laughs> on the block back in the day. Remember, they had the ripped jeans, the leather jackets. Somebody thought that would transpose well into film. It's good that you don't get so many jackets with tassels these days. No. Because <laughs> yeah. there's yeah. a lot of tassel Look, jackets. Look, don't get me wrong. <laughs> if I was 17, 18 in 1990, which I almost was, I'm sure I would have fucking tassel jackets. <laughs> I once wore double denim to fucking to a, a social. Well, all you needed was the fez. <laughs> <laughs> you would have been the king of the oh, job. I loved it. Yeah, nobody was looking at you back then going, <laughs> seriously, I think I also had patches on it. Oh, oh fuck. Well, let's not even talk about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Let me guess, you were sitting in the corner with the boys? <laughs> I probably had an acid wash shirt. <laughs> Either that or a hypercolour. <laughs> oh, fuck. You could have got a job stop, in wardrobe. Stop it. <laughs> you just bring your own wardrobe. Here you go, David. Yeah. I've had a denim jacket with patches on it. Oh, man. That was, they were the times. One of my negatives of it is the villains. We really don't get introduced to them until probably halfway through. Yeah. Um, we get a lot of thugs. <laughs> we get a lot of thug one, two, three. Plenty of thugs, But yeah. we don't get the villains... 
We do see one of the villains early on. Yeah. In the first scene, but then he's forgotten again for long periods. Part of it was necessary to, to build that sort of, like you were saying, that kind of detective element. Mm. But it did it did uh, contribute to another one of our of our dislikes that we'll get into later. But yeah, we, we didn't see them very much, and like you said, even even just one of the thugs sort of recurring in a couple of those situations would have been yeah useful. Would have been better. And, and look, I, I thought the Milo character was was cool because he was kind of smarmy. He was dangerous, but he was kind of smarmy, and he always called him Joseph, and he mm. always spoke in this real sort of hoity-toity type of yeah. speech. I thought that was a good touch because it wasn't your classic Was he rocking a bowl villain. cut? I think he was. <laughs> I think there was possibly a bowl cut in there. Stylist. Stylist, Stylist was also in the shit too. <laughs> um, and, and I guess we can forgive the fact that those guys aren't there because of all the the amusing quotes and all that stuff that's happening yeah, yeah. in that period. I must admit, I do have to – I always laugh at the scene where they're in the cop shop after they've shot those guys and Corey's dead and they're both sitting there having the discussion about the, the leather pants. Yeah. And then it segues away from them into the cop's office and the cop's going, something smells funny in here. My God, it's his statement. Hellenbeck's <laughs> 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 full of shit, he says. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love that kind of stuff, and I think that probably saves it. Well, it's it's what keeps you, um, the whole movie, you, you're just kind of giggling or, you know, there's a, there's a good action sequence, and then when the action comes down, you're kind of laughing again. Like, it's just what you want from an action movie. Yeah. The last dislike is you... Classic explanation. Mm. Your Scooby-Doo explanation. You yes, know, your, the villain. Your villain just waxes lyrical for fucking five minutes about his entire plan and and why, though. Yeah. This movie goes further. It's not just the plan. It's why. But it's, not only, it's it. not only one. It's it's the main villain. Yeah. And it's Joseph, the the... I guess in a way he is the main villain, but he's he's the yeah. henchman. He's yeah, Milo. Milo gives his jibber. Oh uh, yeah, sorry, yeah. I'm sorry. Milo. Yeah, so Milo is the is the the top henchman. He suffers from it, and then the the big boss suffers from it as well. Yeah, and there's, it's quite there's, distracting. There's that. there's sort of twenty minutes, twenty to thirty minutes in the, uh, you know, pushing towards the sort of three quarter point of the movie. Where they just they spout everything. Yeah, they could have killed Helen Beck About a couple 50 of times, fucking times, but they just spout. The entire – it's just exposition. It's just them talking is just, quick, let's fill in the gaps, blah, blah, yeah. blah, 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 and then finale, you know, big action finale. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of understand that, and I know that this, it happens in these movies. Oh, you need a degree of it. You need an element of it. But this one, it was just – it was – it stuck out like a yeah. sore thumb. Yeah, It was one of the – it was probably the only real negative. And even then, the movie is so good elsewhere that you just – you kind of – You can put up with it. You cop yeah, it and you yeah, let it exactly. run through – um, taking into account that, yeah, it's not one of the finer parts of the movie. No. And you let it slide. Yep. Because the action's good and the the rest of the dialogue at, throughout the film is equally, is really enjoyable. Yeah. You're going to let the big sort of, oh, those, you know, I would have got away with it. Yeah. It wasn't for you meddling <laughs> fucking low lives. You know, like. Meddling just, drunks. Yeah. I mean, it's like Helen Beck sort of tripped over it. Yeah. And fell into it. But. That's really, to me, that covers the film. Yeah. One part, uh, something I really wanted to talk about with regards to the film is a lot of the reviews I read, which, look, 
it was probably a 50-50 split of reviewers who liked it and reviewers who disliked it. A lot of a word that popped up constantly was misogynistic. Mm. The movie's misogynistic and it, its treatment of women is is poor. Yep. I, that's definitely true. It's totally fair. Yeah. The, the film has a very much, I mean, from the opening sequence with the guy trying to get the chick to blow him in the spa to uh, Senator Baynard being a whips and chains guy and, and basically treating some girl like shit. That's why Helen Beck kind of got sacked by him mm. to, you know, the way the, 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 the interaction between Helen Beck and his wife yeah. and his, his daughter. Yep. There even are definitely... Even Corey, like, she's a... You know, she gets a bit of a run as... She's a um, a nice young young woman, but she's a stripper and then she gets just shot to shit yeah. in that... And also like, there's insinuations that maybe she... She um, was getting paid by Mark Home for sex. And, yeah, you know, yeah, I don't know how many times Helen Beck calls her a fucking hooker yep. or something at some stage. So, I, look, I get that. I get the misogyny idea. I also think that you've got to sort of perhaps not counteract, but it's a shit world. Like, the whole world in this movie is quite shit, you know. Like, that, these guys are seedy. It's a bit of an underbelly. And that's kind of what you're going to get. Yeah, a bit. I agree to some extent. I think you made a really good point about it being portions of it being set in the world of professional football. Yeah, and let's face it, the stories that come out about professional footballers, this is how they treat women, and it's fucking disgusting. Yeah. Basically, well, yeah. But, again, this is all subjective, I guess, and yeah, you don't yeah. know one hundred percent sure these but, things are true or not. Yeah, but. the problem with it is the problem. I think you made a good point about that aspect of it. The problem is there's elements of this that aren't set in in that world, and the, one of the big problems, I guess, is Helen Back and his wife. Yeah, obviously they've got problems. But let's let's put it this way: He is a bloke who's out on the piss all the time, chasing cases. Yet he gets home and she's banging someone else. She's the piece of shit and gets abused and 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 absolutely he he just talks to her like a piece of shit. Yeah. And we're supposed to feel for Helen Beck. Yeah. And it's kind of like, well, hang on a minute. So this is the this is the element I've probably got the biggest issue with. Mm. Just because his wife, you know, mistreated him. Well, hang on. We just said ourselves he's a fuckwit. He's, a, you know, he's a piece of shit. So she probably had reason to, but then she's treated really badly throughout the movie. So I think that's probably where we've got the problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. And it's kind of the fallback is, oh, but that, but Joe Hallenbeck's Bruce Willis. So we're yeah, exactly, to, exactly. We're supposed to like him. It's a symptom of what I spoke about before that we have to like that guy. Yeah, but and I, for I the don't most think part, they being, do a decent job of making him likable. Yeah. without all the misogyny. I think they could have made him flawed, yet still made his his missus likable and sympathetic. Whereas they went the other route and just had him calling her a this and that and yeah, you know it, it, that I think that's possibly one of the biggest examples of what what they're they're talking about. And I, I look, I mean, I probably give a better. Uh, I think that his interaction with his daughter is just it's not as misogynistic because he doesn't talk to her as badly as he talks to his wife for starters. It's she talks to ways. him that way, yeah. yeah. But secondly, it's a product of him not being around, and that's what yeah, they're trying to exactly. show. The product is. His daughter has no respect for him. Yeah, and I think, again, that probably wouldn't be held up as an example of misogyny if it wasn't prevalent everywhere else in the movie. Mm. Um, so that 
I didn't have an issue with him and his daughter. Them screaming back and forth was kind of like a bit of you reap what you sow. Yeah. And that was one of the things he had to solve. That was one of his issues, and that was one of the subplots of the movie. Yeah. Him and his daughter. And and I don't, I'm not going to bang on. You know, I, I I'm someone who's I'm not a misogynist, and but I'm also not going to look at this movie in a different light because there's some misogynistic elements. Yeah. I mean, life life in general's got shit in it. You know, like normal everyday life has got shit. Okay, now this is showcasing a world of shit. Mm. Like everything in this this whole movie is in a seedy, steamier side. Yeah, and there's misogyny in that world. That's yeah. that's what we're getting told. Yep. Potentially, you could have gone without a few of these things. Yeah. Um, Baynard, they could have dropped it, and it's interesting, and I'll get to that. The original script does not have that in it. Mm-hmm. I just think they, they went for a world, this is how it is, and unfortunately that's got some of that in there. Yeah, I think I, I agree in that. I agree with you to the point that I don't hold the movie in a lesser light because yeah. of it. Um, I kind of understand that this is this is a, an action movie that was made to go and watch with your, your male buddies. You know, women don't, don't tend to go for the action movies for the you know the the dense scenes and things getting blown up and and, and this, flying. remember this was R rated yeah but also um it's kind of Hollywood in general mm. I mean Hollywood's got a pretty poor track record of of you know paying women and all that sort of less stuff. money and and yeah and I think you can find a lot of movies that have this problem this is probably a it probably contains a bit more of the out and out sort of just abuse of women yeah. on the screen. And some of that is is sort of exploited for impact with yeah. like what you were talking about with um, the politician. Yeah. So yeah, I, I try not to let it let it colour um, my opinion of the film. As I, no. as you said, it's it, it was a different time where things were not so not so flash for women in Hollywood, even less so than they are now. Well, think about it, and just in general about Hollywood and taking away the misogynistic side of it, but women. How many great roles are there for females? Yeah, exactly. There are exactly, and so, even even less in this action movie because yeah, it was a male dominated yeah. thing. Where and people basically to... in action films, you were either the put upon wife, the the girl in danger. Yeah, like this is this is action one hundred and one. Yeah, you so don't like make I said, action movies I, without this. Stuff. I don't actually think it's that much worse than other action movies we've seen, other than it's a bit sort of more it's a bit more blatant with the verbal abuse and that sort of thing. Yeah. And and like I said, I, I do look at something like the the relationship between Willis and his wife that could have been done a whole lot better, and it doesn't look good for the movie mm. in that regard. But I mean, I think what you see in this movie is a bit less of less of an issue than what you see in something like the the Saw movies these mm, days. Yeah. I think you know people should be getting upset about how women are treated in yeah, those exactly. too. So, or any horror film or uh, thriller or whatever that involves rape. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Using um, that as a plot device, using that as a plot device, I find that far more deplorable yeah, than I've seen absolutely. In anything in this movie. Absolutely. Now, this movie did have some production problems, uh, from what I've read. Very briefly, read some some interference from producers. Obviously, at the time, Bruce Willis was uh, had had some say over what how the movie was put together. Prick. Um, so he. Uh, there's again, none of it's got any sort of full evidence behind it, but they're saying that Willis and Joel Silver were both sort of heavily involved in playing around with it. Mm-hmm. And Tony Scott has been quoted as saying it was the worst experience he's had as a as a director. And again, who knows what the go is with any of that? But if you read the actual script, 
the Shane Black script that's on the web, it is significantly different down the stretch. And the villain, there is an extra villain. Basically, the differences, the big difference is it wasn't Baynard, it wasn't Senator Baynard who got Willis fired. In, in the original script, Willis was working for Baynard. And he was driving along one night and he comes across a car on the road. There's been an accident. In one car, a, a woman and her daughter are dead. In the other car is Senator Baynard's son and he's drunk. Mm. And he, he said, keeps saying, oh, the fucking bitch came out of nowhere and da-da-da-da-da. And, of course, Hallenbeck fucking jobs him right then and there. And he becomes a villain late. He's the guy who got the whole thing rolling. Yep. He's the one that Corey was um, partying with and he ran his mouth off. Yep. It was him because he's got some facial problems because of what because ha- Hallenbeck fucking hit him so hard. Yeah. Yeah. The whole back end of the movie takes place on the water uh, and involves like boats and things like that. Mm-hmm. Do I think the script is better than the movie? I actually think the movie works better. Yep. I think that the movie is slightly more condensed down the back end and sticks more to the idea of the football side of things, yeah. you know, how it ends in the football stadium. Yeah, which is why I like that. I yeah. think it's one of the strengths. But the script is really good. If anyone's looking for a masterclass in how to do it, how to write a screenplay, then I would read something like that. Yeah, he's – having the son might have addressed one of those problems that you, you brought up was that – you know, having a villain run through the entire plant, mm. um, having the vill- ha- having that happen at the start and then wrap it up at the end, probably works better. Yeah, um, because because Bane is not a villain. Yeah, yeah, he's not. He's, he's just, just a guy that he's just there to again to be there at the end. To he's a plot point to that that ties Marcon to Helen Beck and Dix. Yeah, exactly. It's the whole exactly. circular part of it. So that that probably would have worked better with the son. I think having the ending in the football stadium was really, really solid. Yeah, I thought that was a really good. And, you, idea. and it sort of it, it put it put Jimmy Dix back in the, um, yeah, put Jimmy back in the in the situation to on the field, be the hero thing, yeah. on the field again. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was that was kind symbolic. of interesting, and I do cool. like that. Most of the the key um, dialogue exchanges that are you know quips and all that, they're in it. Yep. So I think they took a lot of that. They moved some things around. Some of it comes later. Da da da. What I find really interesting about the way he writes too is there's a lot of economy to it. A lot of short little when he's talking about what's happening on screen when there's no dialogue, just short lines like bang, 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 bang underneath each other. But he there's a scene. There's a bit where you know where um, you see Corey and Jimmy together in the apartment with the the mood lighting, yeah. <laughs> the blue mood lighting. Yeah, that in the script is a sex scene. And yep. he says, Corey and Jimmy are having sex. And then it says below it, I'm not going to go into describe. I'm not going to describe any of this because, and he gives these three dot points as to why he's not going to describe the sex. And one of them is, my fucking parents read this. <laughs> well, actually, uh, funnily enough, that's the, um, that's the best Damon Wayans looks in the movie because he's not wearing any clothes. <laughs> There's no tassels, there's no, there's no strange hats. <laughs> no tight leather jeans, nothing. <laughs> and there's also another funny bit in the script where, again, he, I believe in his Wikipedia write-up and stuff, they call it, like, yeah, he actually does this in all of his scripts. And he, there's a scene that says, 
we, and we meet Henry. And it says, you remember Henry? He was in the early part of the script. He's a friend of Jimmy's. You should remember that because you're a highly paid <laughs> script reader for a, a major studio. <laughs> so I kind of, but it is, it is, the script is different, but it was really, really good read. Mm. And I found on the same website is The Long Kiss Goodnight. Yeah. So I'll probably give that a read. Uh, I think, you know, it, as I said, it's the kind of, if, if you've got any interest in writing, they, they'd be the sort of scripts I'll be reading. Yeah, well, like for that. a particular, you know, for this yeah, for genre. Yeah, particular genre. He, 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 no, I don't think I've ever read anything. James Cameron, I read one of James Cameron's, and that's that'd be another one I'd read, anything by him. Because they have different styles, but they're worth reading. Yeah, because I was going to say there'd be probably uh, a few people out there going, hang on, what about the Coen brothers and this sort of stuff? <laughs> yeah, yeah, different I, genres. I, different I was just going to say, you listen to the wrong podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, We're not going to get down into the, no, the no. depths. Uh, too smart for us. That's the last Boy Scout from 1990. We'll take a quick break and we'll come back with what we will cover next episode. Leather pants. Yeah. Or something like that, right? 650 $650. Yeah. They're pants. Yeah. You wear them. Yes. Did I have like a TV in him or something? Nope. I am very old. Next episode, we'll go back into the woods. Another slasher flick. People are turning off at fucking boom. Like that. <laughs> no, we're going back into the woods for the 1981 slasher flick, The Burning. Which I believe is the first movie by Miramax. Is that correct? Yeah, I think so. The Weinstein Brothers yeah. wrote and directed. Or not directed, but wrote and produced. It's the first movie under the Miramax banner, and it was not long after Friday the 13th. It's an interesting one. Got some very big-name actors in very early roles. Uh, so we very will... Very short shorts. Very short shorts. No boners. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a step down. No, <laughs> no stars in their crackers with a fat, but <laughs> George Costanza has hair in this flick, so that'll be a real real turn up for the books. Didn't you think it was a rug? I thought it was. I, I, <laughs> I said, no, he's just young. Again, we're going to have to really scrutinise this because yes. I thought it was a rug. <laughs> We've kept up, uh, had a look at some of the downloads and that. We're getting downloads from overseas in America and Iran, I believe. Right. Uh, also Canada. Spreading the word. Spreading the word. Just letting everyone know we're really thankful for anyone who's downloaded our stuff and we hope you're enjoying it. Is there a, if there's a movie you want us to cover, uh, send us an email via thrillme at iinet.net.au or contact us through our Facebook, which is Thrill Me Podcast Australia. But until next episode... Take it easy, and we'll catch up with you later. Find the podcast at Podomatic or on iTunes. Don't forget to rate and review. Like us on Facebook at Thrill Me Podcast Australia or contact us at Thrill Me, all one word, all lowercase, at iinet.net.au.